Welcome to the Stuff and Junk Show, where we share our opinions on random subjects from interesting news, social topics, pop culture, our likes and dislikes, things we've seen, heard, or read, to what we did and what we do. You know, Stuff and Junk. Hello, my name is Albert, and I recently came back from San Diego to my trip to Comic-Con Special Edition 2021. Uh, it is the Thanksgiving weekend Comic-Con that was kind of put up somewhat on the last minute because there's that's two summers in a row where we didn't have the traditional San Diego Comic-Con. So I had to go. I was missing Comic-Con and I had to go. And I had a blast. I had a lot of fun time. Um, I will talk about my experience in the next episode because I believe I'll be having two additional guests who will like to share their opinions about it as well. And I'm still kind of reeling from 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 the trip. So um, keep this episode simple. I have two interviews that I did at Comic-Con and I don't normally do interviews, but there is one that I always do. And then there's this other one that came up. Uh, I did do um, commissioned an artwork from from one of the uh, the filmmakers behind the Filipino American uh, action comedy superhero movie uh, Lumpia with a Vengeance, right? Uh, his name is uh, Lawrence Iriarte, and I did like I said, I commissioned an artwork of me in a in a black barong holding a lumpia with the character Kuya from the movie. As well as the comic book, because he's also uh, uh, promoting the Kickstarter for the Gemini uh, comic book, which is a spinoff from from Lumpia. But anyway, so I went ahead and interviewed him, which I'll be playing first. And then afterwards, uh, I will do my annual traditional interview with David Glanzer, who is the uh, Chief Communications and Strategies Officers of Comic-Con International. So, and we'll... And then me and him talk over some of the stuff that happened in Comic-Con. So you'll get some of my impressions from that conversation about the event. But without further ado, uh, I'll go ahead and plug in the uh, first interview with Lawrence. And then right afterwards, I'll put in David Glancer's interview. And then that'll be a wrap. Then we'll be going on to the next episode. I'm here at Comic-Con Special Edition 2021. And I am with... Uh, Lawrence here. What's your last name again? Iriarte. Iriarte. Iriarte? Iriarte. You know, I have a last, hard last name as well. Like, for hell did yours? And people are like, oh, how do you pronounce that? But, but I totally understand. But I asked him to do a commission of me. Yes, sir. Holding a Lumpia with Kuya from Lumpia with a Vengeance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I can ask you, like, what was the hardest thing about drawing me? <laughs> but you know, it's like, make, it's that fine line of making it in the spirit of the of the movie, mm-hmm. like in the comic book, and and then also try to make sure I get enough the likeness to, to do it. So that's the hardest thing is just trying to make sure that find that balance. Okay, how do I make him into a character and not necessarily a portrait? Okay. And and it's and I also want to make you a hero, but I also know the the style I do is very very dark and very noir, very Frank Miller, Sin City like. Yeah, I was gonna say very Frank Miller, very Sin City. And that's exactly I, very black and white. Yes, yes, sir, sir. You know, and my mom had to see me in Barong in like probably two decades. Oh, yeah. So, so he's like a black the Barong. It's like I've never heard that before, but that, that oh, was pretty cool. That's exactly the Barong that we actually have on the superhero in our film. So yeah. I thought, you know what? Let's give him the stealth Barong, and then within the spirit of Kuya, uh, who's the hero in the film. Yes. So that way, you guys are like uh, partners in crime. Yes, <laughs> yes. But for the listeners, go ahead and plug the movie, plug the book. Well, it's called Lubia with a Vengeance. And the, at the same time, the comic book Lumpia with the Vengeance, and it is a sequel to a movie called Lumpia, and it's about an avenging uh, guardian of this town of Fog City who uses Lumpia 
as his weapon of yes. choice. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a comedy action film, and in what it and we we have Danny Trejo in the film along with Mark Munoz, who is the the event uh, the Avenger himself, the Olympia throwing Avenger, and he's there to come save the town from the evildoers who somehow corrupted Fog City. Now you say comedy action movie, and I will say for the listeners, I saw the movie. Absolutely an action comedy. Yes. It's actually, it isn't just an action film with comedy, it's an action comedy. Absolutely. Lots of Filipino jokes. Yes, absolutely. It's also, a, the jokes are all around. Yes. You know, it's a, it, it allows people to, from all over, to appreciate. And also the 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 instances where where the action is comedic at the same time, and just to enjoy it. So that's that's another thing I, I, I'm very proud of, that we, it's a, definitely a movie for the fans, definitely a movie for the Comic Con audiences. Absolutely, and it's you know it's all in the nerd comic book guy and me that our director and and myself as the producer have sworn to make sure that it's within the spirit of all the things that we've ever seen and experienced at Comic Con. Yeah, you guys are living my dream. Like back in back in high school, I used to do like videos for class and whatnot. Absolutely, but that's back in the nineties when all I had was two VCR decks. <laughs> Which is funny, coincidentally, the original film, the original Lumpia movie, was done with two video discs. There we go. And it was also go. done with a eight camera, not a high eight, not a super eight, but a an eight camera. Wow, yes. And, and, and it's, it truly was a homemade movie with 16 to 17-year-old kids who slowly grew up in the course of seven summers. And they completed the film, and, and it was a hit. And now we're now we're doing pitching the, the sequel, Lumpia with a Vengeance. And uh, we both movies won awards for the Hawaiian International Film Festival yes. as the Audience Choice Award. So again, so it's a, a testament that the audience is there of all sorts who enjoy that comedy action, as well as the type of variety, as well as a cultural references that we bring attention to, but also give to the spirit of, so that way we're teaching without preaching. Exactly, exactly. Well, again, thanks again for the artwork. Oh, Thanks absolutely. again for the movie. Oh, and pleasure. listeners, go to lumpiamovie.com and check it out. Love that lumpia. Love that lumpia. So once again, that's what that was my interview with Lawrence Ariarte. If you want to see the artwork, it is on my Instagram. I'll put a link in the show notes as well as all the relevant links regarding Lupia with Avengers movie as well as the Kickstarter for Gemini. All right, up next, here we go, is our annual, my annual uh, interview with David Glancer, the Chief Communications and Strategies Officer of Comic-Con International, a.k.a. the uh, the public relations guy for Comic-Con. All right, here we go. Interview with David Glancer. And we're back at Comic-Con. Can you believe that? And once again, I am with David Glanzer. This is our annual tradition, doing the interview every year. And I'm so happy that I could do it again this year. And it's great to see you in person. In person, for sure. And yeah. I think that that's the key thing here. The whole thing has been going on the past year. It, it is like the huge difference. Is it, this is in person. We did Zoom last year. And I mean, that was fine. But... Nothing beats in person, right? No, it really doesn't. And, you know, not having, I mean, for two years, really just seeing people through the computer screen um, was fine. But seeing people in person is a lot better. And uh, it's great. We're, we're, we're very excited. And people seem to be very happy, too. That's good. That's good. Now, uh, as usual, we always try to cover, like, how it's been going the past week, the past weekend for the show. And we're going to keep you that tradition. Um, it's a smaller event. The way I describe it to people, it's like a throwback to the nine, to the late '90s, early 2000s. But what would you think is it closer to late '90s or early 2000s, or a little bit of both? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a little aspect of, of all of that. 
you know, the ability to walk up and buy a ticket, the ability to um, visit the exhibit floor without bumping into people, um, seeing some cool panels, it really is a throwback. Um, I think there's aspects of, you know, the 1990s, the early 2000s. I think what's really nice is just being able to get back in person with people after two years of not doing that. And I'll tell you also, um, you know, it being two and a half days as opposed to four and a half days was a big change for us too. But I think it's good. It's letting us get our sea legs um, because, boy, I got to tell you, it's a smaller show, but that doesn't mean less work. And um, not that we forgot how to do things, but it, you know, there were things I think we, we, we kind of forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been like two years. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And <clears throat> luckily, you know, we've had a lot of support from the convention center and from uh, our volunteers and committee and staff. And even the city, I think people are, are excited that we're having an event again in downtown San Diego. Yeah, I, I totally understand the whole forgetting thing because I was, I was furloughed due to the whole thing. I, I didn't go back until like a, month, a year and a f- couple of months. And honestly, everything was almost like I was a new hire again. Yeah, it's weird because you know, we've been doing this for so many years. You would have thought that it would have been, you know, uh, second nature. And I think some things are. But I got to tell you, honestly, there were at times when we were prepping for this, and we thought, wait, who, who has this information? Who does this? And you know, kind of walk, you know, asking people around the office, and oh, this, you know, we did this. Remember, and and then going through our old files, and that helped out a lot, you know. So. We do have process documents that lets us know who does what, but uh, some so much of it was so routine that we didn't catalog that. So I think now we're going to be a lot more diligent about making sure that we have, you know, how tos in case anything ever happens to anybody, or in case, heaven forbid, we run into another situation like this. Right, right. I mean, the, I mean, right now everybody outside the Comic Con are wondering like, oh, this is going to be, you know, the, the whole pandemic thing going on. This might be. A situation where somebody might get infected or whatever. So, in terms of like the the vaccine checks and and all that stuff, the mask and all that stuff, the number one thing that I actually hear from a lot of people not not the line on Thursday because a lot of people mentioned that Thursday, Friday, Friday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, Thursday is always the first day for yes, us, right? Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so the the line thing people mentioned that, but that wasn't really much of the thing. What people are, they were more about the whole idea that they wanted people to keep the wristband for multiple days unless you go back in line, kind of thing. Is there an alternative way you guys could have done that? I don't. I don't think so. Um, there really is a mandate to make sure that for it to be the easiest was to go ahead and give them a, a wristband that could last multi days. I mean, I got my wristband on Tuesday and I still have, still it. have it. <laughs> it uh, doesn't look great, but it's still there. The other alternative was to come back um, every day and get a wristband, but you know, so. Uh, it didn't seem to make a great deal of sense to have somebody do that, especially if they were vaccinated and the proof of vaccination. Um, so, you know, I think uh, as we, as, as always, after the show, we'll probably look at things that worked, things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for the most part, this worked. You know, I don't like wearing it, but I got used to it after a little while. I think the other thing, too, is the mask mandate. Okay. Um, you know, when, when we're inside uh, the building, uh, we have to wear our masks right now. Because we're in a in a subroom, uh, I have my mask off because we're talking to you. We're sitting, right. you know, kind of far apart. But um, that is something I think also took a little getting used to. And, and people have been very, very accommodating about that. So I think it's okay. No, yeah, I mean, people have been pretty accommodating. I haven't heard any stories about people complaining about it. 
Um, there are times where people take off their masks for photos, but that's to expect to be expected in Ramadan. Of course, when they're eating and drinking, of course. Right. But for the most part, it's been a non-issue, and it is that's that, that's pretty cool. Right, right. I totally agree. I totally agree, yeah. and that's nice. I mean, you know, there. I think there are things that that you know we were concerned about that people might get uh, have a little bit of pushback on. But for, for honestly, for the most part, people have been very accommodating. Yeah, I mean, I'm the. I'll be a test case of somebody who actually goes every day. And actually got this every day. Oh, did you really? I did. I did. Oh, okay. And, and honestly, didn't have to stand in line. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because I mean, I go in weird times. I don't always go to the very beginning or the very end. Uh, on on Friday, I went a little bit later, so there was no line by the time I showed up. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I went in slightly later, but not too late, and there was no line showing show up. Today, I went early, and there was still no line, so I didn't. I was pretty good. And I and I think you know you bring up a good point, and that is typically you know when the show starts, we have a. Um, you kind of see what's going on, and you can kind of uh, plan accordingly. So as right. you said, you know, I think if, if people came right at a certain time, maybe at the beginning of the day, there might be a line. But, you know, if you stagger that by a little bit, come a little bit earlier, or after the a majority of the line goes through, then you can, you know, you can uh, juggle it a bit, maybe do it every day without having to worry about um, uh, long lines. And, and from what I heard, uh, some of the lines ended up going pretty fast once, right. once they started to... Uh, getting underway so that's good too right it, it is a little bit of a flashback when you're setting a line for one of the panels over here and and it, there was a good amount of, of people waiting in line it was it was like a, it was like a flashback to the summer show and like oh okay well there's still a little bit of that going on yeah but but they do move yeah and you know people have been really nice and and uh have talked about how they really liked it and i know that when there was uh the line uh, i overheard somebody say you know well, there's a line uh for the verification and and someone else, said, someone else said, well, it's Comic-Con. What would it be like without any lines? So I think they took that in good you know, good humor also. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I don't hear a lot of people complaining about yeah. it, really. I mean, they mentioned it, but it wasn't like a surprise. Thing. Yeah, and I think people are just happy to be able to get together. Correct. I mean, you know, we yeah. were really hoping that people would show up. And we were really hoping that, that you know, people uh, would wear their masks. And so far, it seems to be going very, very well. Absolutely. Now, the other comment I hear on the show floor, uh, HBO Max has a boot, not a boot, you have an obstacle course thing um, across the street over there that for Peacemaker. And people are wondering how come there wasn't an HBO Max panel. I'm not sure if there's any information yeah. you can give about that. Yeah, so it's interesting. The reason why we, we ended up canceling the show in July is because a lot of studios and networks had no travel uh, restrictions. Okay. So um, some of the, uh, the larger panels uh, we knew we wouldn't have in Hall H because they, they couldn't travel. Okay. Um, and again, we... We thought we would have no show this year, but as things started opening up, some exhibitors and some people started saying, oh, you know what, we would we would be open to come. But a lot of the networks and studios still said no. Not until really kind of the last minute, and by last minute I meant, you know, probably, you know, about a month or so. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, some of the, uh, I think NBC is here, HBO, uh, Max is here. Uh, there's an activation from Tubi. Uh, and they're, you know, they thought, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and come down and, and, and have a bit of a presence. So we were thankful for that. And, uh, and that even ended up, uh, that even ended up being a situation where um, it, it worked out nicely in terms of HBO Max because um, John Cena showed up uh, for the masquerade. Right. Yes. And, uh, and that was a pleasant surprise. And I think the audience was happy to see him. Yeah, he also showed up over at the activation across the street as well. That's so. what I understand. Yeah, and, and yeah. a very friendly guy. And. And uh, it was nice. I think the fans really appreciate that. I, I was surprised that whole activation across the street actually did happen. Because that's something that you would normally see in the summer show. 
and I didn't think they would do something that elaborate out here, and they did. And they I really did. appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, we have really high hopes that next year um, in the summer it'll be also kind of back to normal in terms of outside activations and a lot more exhibitors inside and great programs and great guests. Yeah, so basically the, the real answer, the, the answer that people are looking for is that it was too late for the studios to fight to decide, like, hey, I want a panel. I'm like, nope, sorry, it's already too late. That yeah, and also it. I think, you know, a lot of them too were able to do things in such a way because they're also very, very... Uh, uh, conscious and aware of safety, so a lot right. of them, you know, you may it, it may not look like it on the on the forefront, but in 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 in, in behind the scenes, there's a great deal of preparation. And and you know, when uh, when talent was here, there's certain things they could do, uh, certain things they couldn't do. Um, when they were on the stage, like last night, it, you know, with a certain amount of distance, it was uh, it was it looked good. But it was a lot of planning went involved in that, and that's true of outside also. I'm sure the people who are more or less happy about the fact that Hollywood isn't as big this year as normal are the people who always complain about, oh, there's all these Hollywood panels and nothing about comic books, which is not true. But hey, here's a show that's mostly about comic books and geek stuff. And But there are there's still some little bit of Hollywood here still. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, when the show first started in 1970, one of the big things we had was not only comic books, but 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 film and science Absolutely, fiction. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's funny because... Um, you will hear, you're right, you will hear some people say, oh, you know, when it started, it was all about comic books and, and nothing else. And then you'll you'll talk to people who were here at the very first convention. And, you know, they're very adamant about saying, no, it was always about these three things. I think what's, what's changed over the past 50 some odd years is it's become more mainstream. And that's right. good. I mean, that's, you know, that's, as an organization, that's what we had hoped is to educate the public about these forms of entertainment that really were artistic. And at the time, they weren't really considered artistic. And now, films and movies and, you know, comic books and science fiction, I mean, it's, it's artistic, it has artistic merit. And there's a lot of great stuff on the floor mm -hmm. reflective of that. Yeah, but going back to like how it was in the late 90s, early 2000, I mean, Hollywood hasn't completely taken over yet, but they, are, they have a process. They're showing, like, movies that you will see for genre fans and whatnot. Sure. And I would say uh, the big one this weekend was uh, Lumpia with a Vengeance. Yes. And, and that had a strong showing. And that's exactly the kind of thing that you would see featured in Comic-Con in the late 90s, early 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're, it's, a, it's a, one of the great strengths of Comic-Con is the diversity, not only uh, of, the, of the, the content we have, but uh, the content that uh, the people who produce it uh, and uh, giving them a voice, you know, giving them an outlet to be able to go ahead and talk about those things. And uh, again, it's educating the public. It's, it's alerting the public to these areas that they might not otherwise see, but we can shine a light on and focus on during the course of the week. Yeah, and Classic Comic Con, it was a full room. There was, a, there was a wait outside. There was a line outside trying to get in. And of course, it was full, sorry. But that's, that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah, we were surprised. Exactly, we were surprised too because there were several different panels that ended up rooms reached capacity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you never want to do that because that means people can't get in. But it was interesting because it showed that people were very, very interested in the, in the programs and, and, and panels that we had. Absolutely. Now, giving people more opportunity for programs and panels, one of the questions that people have brought up or one of the comments people have brought up ever consider making special edition a regular thing to go along with the summer show and WonderCon? I know, I know, but I have no, to that's, ask. You know, that's, a, that's really a great question. I, I, I will be very honest with you. Um, um, there is a great deal of work. Uh, we discovered, I discovered, there's a great deal of work of putting together a small show just like there is in putting together a big show. Um, 
I will also be honest with you that I'm really enjoying this show. I've, I've had an opportunity to look at the floor, which I don't normally get to do. I've had the opportunity to, to spend and talk with some friends because it hasn't been as hectic and crazy. But, you know, we have uh, WonderCon in the spring. We have, you know, Comic-Con in the summer. We do Sam, the uh, storytelling across media uh, in the fall. It's a very small little symposium. I don't know if we really have the the ability to put together another special edition. Okay. We were able to this year because we didn't have the summer show. Right. And also, you know, we had two years of not having a show, which meant um, our resources, our financial resources were really taxed. We've always been fairly conservative with our money, and we, we knew that we had enough money if something happened and we couldn't have a show one year. We never thought that would extend to two years. So this convention... Um, was an ability to to not only come back, but also to help with our bottom line a little bit to, to, to get some money so that we can go ahead and you know continue forward with uh, the other uh, stuff we have going on. But 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 to answer your, your question, I don't know. We'll look at everything, but I think because we were able to do the show because we didn't have the summer show, I don't know that we could effectively plan a show with only a few months after the summer show. Okay, no, no, that completely makes sense to me. Sure. And um, but speaking of other shows, ever considered maybe um, oh, the batch sales for next year. So the ones from the previous year carried over to next year still, right? Correct. Yeah. So in 2019, people, a lot of people don't realize this, but you know, we sold tickets for the 2020 show at the end of 2019. And then, of course, 2020 turned into the you know pandemic that it is. So right. a lot of people rolled over their badges of 2021, hoping that we would have the summer show in 2021, which we didn't. So a lot of those people still transferred their badges over to 2022. So 2022 is effectively sold out. Um, there's always some cancellations, some attrition. So there, you know, we might be able to sell uh, some tickets to the 2022 show, but for the most part, it, it is a sold out event. But how about the people who were only able to get passes? For this year, for special edition, they don't I believe. I believe you know. I'll have to check on that. I believe people who bought passes for special edition, I believe they'll be able to be in the um, the we don't call it a pre-sale. I forgot what we call it, but returning registration, uh, which is the, the 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 availability to to be in the in the running for for purchasing a ticket if a. We have tickets, and um, and I believe that's the case. I know we discussed that. I don't remember if we actually implemented that. I'll have to check on that. Okay, because I'm, I'm one of those people that only wasn't able to get 2019, but I wasn't able to get special edition. Okay. So the, next year is a question mark for me. Right. But, but uh, and the other thing is, uh, speaking of badges, single day sales, was there, was there a concerted effort to decide on whether... Because the budget for this year is only for the whole weekend. Not right, it was only three days, and that really was a financial issue. Okay. I mean, I think we would like to have been, been able to do single day, but we uh, to to say that our resources were really taxed is um, is is really true. We we again we had planned for not being able to have one show, but we literally not by not having two shows and being able to keep our employees employed our resources were, were pretty much depleted. So um, the, the, the termination was, uh, on a financial uh, aspect, it made more sense for us to do just three-day ticket sales because we still have to rent the facility. We still have to do contracts with hotels. There's still a lot of logistics that we have to pay for. And if we had done a, a single-day sale, 
it's conceivable that people may have only bought badges for like one day. Um, so we decided on the three day. I don't think anybody was terribly excited about having to do that, but it came down to if we're going to do a show, that we'll, that's what we're going to have to do to try to make sure that, A, we could pay for this, not go into debt, and hopefully have a little bit of money to help us as we move forward to 2022. Now, as usual in our interviews, I always ask a colorful question at the end. You kind of already answered that earlier. I was going to ask you, like, was there something that you got to do at this scaled-down Comic-Con that you normally wouldn't do? Well, I will yeah. tell you, there's actually a couple of things, and, it, oh, okay. and it's funny. One is being able to go on the floor, and I still right. have some shopping to do uh, today that I'll do for my holidays. But something that I've done uh, uh, this week and that I've not been able to do for a good probably 20 years is... Uh, Go for dinner outside. Oh. Typically, typically during the show, we wrap up the press desk at about seven o'clock. We we close everything down and then uh, we walk back to our hotel. And the next morning, we typically have really early morning video shoots, so we have to be here at about three thirty or four o'clock in the morning. So we will call the hotel and order room service, so that when we get back to our hotel, the food just arrives. We eat, we go to sleep, and we start the next day. Um, this has been great because the hall closes and we've been able to go out to dinner and, uh, at a restaurant. And last night, you know, went to a dinner, uh, it was really nearby, but went to a dinner, came home and it was, it was relaxing. That's yep. something I haven't done in such a long time. The number one question that people ask me about how the event's going, I always say it's relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. That, that, that's the truth. It really is. It's more, you know, this one is more intimate, uh, uh feeling and it's, it's a lot less stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is not to say that there isn't stress because you want everything to go well, but people are so friendly and so accommodating. And like I said, the masks have not been an issue, which is great. Uh, and I think people have taken it all in stride. And 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 um, I'm grateful for that. We have incredible fans and uh, incredible volunteers. And um, it, 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 this could not have gone better. It really, really is just amazing. Absolutely. And I think it's important for us to mention that there's no guarantee that we won't be using masks or vaccination next year. You're absolutely Let's right. Knock on wood, right? No, exactly. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And, you know, and I, my hope is that, you know, at, at some point this will all be behind us. But I think what's really nice and what we learned is that, you know, people are accommodating. I think mm-hmm. people are, are fairly reasonable. Now, there were some people who, who, you know, we got some emails of people who really didn't want to wear masks. Okay. and. And we understand that, and you know, and, and, and we said, well, we hope that you can join us at a time when we don't have to have masks. Correct. Um, but it really is a safety issue. There's rules that we have to follow from the city. Um, so, you know, it, it's all worked out really well, and, and um, you're right. I think, you know, hopefully in the future we won't have to have uh, these uh, 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 requirements. But if we do, we know that we can do it, and we know that people are accommodating. Remember years ago when, when I think when we first met and did the interview thing, uh, I went for a fist bump, and I think I mentioned like I only go for a fist bump because it's the the clean thing to do. Sure, it is. And imagine if I happened. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you know what? All those all those people who, you know, people used to say, "Oh, they're germaphobes. They don't like to do." You know what? They're having the last laugh, aren't they? Well, we're not laughing. No, but, but, but at least you can <laughs> smile and say, um, you, "You and you haven't," but you have every right to say, "I told you so." Because honestly, there is a, a there is a lot of germs out there Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that i certainly i wash my hands a lot more now than i ever did before um you know i have uh uh, some friends who are from japan 
And they didn't understand why people were complaining originally about the mask because it's a courtesy right. in a lot of Asian countries that if you are ill, you don't want to get other people ill, so you wear a mask. Absolutely. Um, and it just makes sense. And I have a feeling, even if this becomes something in the past, I, I can see people wearing masks if they're ill. I can see a lot more hand washing and just being a lot more aware of our surroundings and people around us. Okay, and then I'll wrap it up because I kind of wanted a shorter review like the, the normal because we can talk. <laughs> yeah. So let's wrap it up right there. Uh, once again, David, thank you once again every year, always in the interviews. Always a pleasure. Yeah. This is one of the interviews I really look forward to. So thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate that. Have a good rest of the call. <laughs> thank you, you too. <laughs> and that's a wrap. And that was my interview with David Glenser. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, some informational stuff there that, that, that is worth noting. And like I said, you got some of the impressions that I got from Comic-Con, special edition, uh, which we will, I will further elaborate on the next episode. So there we go. Uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. Music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Contact info, ways to support us, and everything else can be found on whowhatworstwhy.com as well as the show notes. This was episode 514 of the Stuff and Junk Show. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, this has been a podcast on the Who What Worst Why Network. Eat good and sleep well. <laughs> <laughs>